The views and opinions of this program are those of the host, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. Today's episode of Market Talk is brought to you by Growmark FS. Keeping up with the latest in ag is a challenge, to say the least, but there are experts nearby ready to help. You'll find them at your local FS. You can trust them to bring you customized agronomic, grain, and energy solutions bored of the latest thinking. That's because FS specialists receive continuous training that keeps them current on the latest trends, practices, and technologies. So you'll get local expertise that's both exceptional and up-to-date. Visit FSSystem.com to learn how FS is bringing you what's next. Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. Thursday saw another mostly positive day across the grain and oilseed trade as we near the end of the week. Welcome into Market Talk. Thanks so much for joining us here once again, making us part of your day. I'm Jesse Allen. Great to be here. And we are jam-packed on today's show talking about the market trade here throughout the entire episode. Coming up in a second, we're going to be joined by Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics here for a couple of segments to talk about what he's seeing in these markets as we enter the month of March. He's got some concerns that I'm curious to talk about and hear about. Also, later in the show, we're going to talk with Brian Doherty, Senior Market Advisor at Total Farm Marketing, and get his thoughts on Thursday's trade action as we head to the end of the week. So, Two great analysts joining us here today on Market Talk. Definitely uh, fasten your seatbelt. We have plenty to discuss. And joining us now as we take a look at the market trade, look at some of the fundamentals behind what is happening, take a look at the charts and more. We are joined by our good friend Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics, here with us. Mike, always a pleasure, sir. I hope your week is going well so far. Doing great. Thanks for having me, Jesse. Thank you for the time, and I'm very curious to uh, dive in and chat with you here today as we've seen, you know, kind of rounding out the month of February, plenty of pressure in the grain and oilseed markets, and every it seemed like every commodity taking its turn, and then we get into the beginning of March and, and, and try to maybe have a little bit of a bounce in some of the grains the first couple days of March, but let's just dive in and talk about what you are seeing here as we're getting closer to some of these key March reports coming up. Let's take a look first. I'll pull up a chart on the video feed, the uh, Bloomberg Grain Commodity Index monthly chart. And I think this could set us up real well for our conversation today. So let's revisit and, and talk about what you've been seeing here as of late. Yeah, I can't underscore to the listener or the viewer how important these next 10 to 20 days are, in my view, Jesse, because this chart really shows very clearly that the market is ready, in my opinion, to move in a trend-like fashion one way or the other, either higher in, in maybe 10 to 15% gains or lower in 10 to 15% breaks. And so if we break it down, what you said about February, I can't underscore how important February was because the middle of February, we were making new three-month highs in the hard red wheat on the weather, on the Black Sea Grain Initiative. And then by the end of the month, we took the hard red wheat down for a fifth consecutive month, soft red wheat leading us, and we went down to a 21-month low in the soft red wheat. And so if you look at this Bloomberg Grain Commodity Index, that is the wheat and the corn really hurting us, and it's the meal and the beans 
kind of keeping us propped up, but we've coiled, we've formed more energy. And I think this is really the time where, as you said, we not only need a bounce here, we need a low. And I've been talking to clients and subscribers all week long about the term capitulation, where it's an exhaustion. What I want to see here is an exhaustion phase in the longs. And it looks like we're getting there because we're starting to see crop conditions worsen, not improve. And we heard just this past 24 hours that the United States and Russia met on the sidelines of the G20 in India, and that did not go well. And the Russians essentially said, you're killing the Green Deal. So my hope is, is that those two things really trump the outside market pressures, the bond yields, the U.S.-China relations, and we take this thing back up because I think time is of the essence. This chart would suggest that very, very seriously. You brought up wheat. You brought up the grain deal. I uh, will switch charts here on the video feed, and, and let's talk a little bit more just about wheat because I know you and I have talked about wheat being a leader, whether it be to the upside or downside. So let's let's dive in a little bit more on the wheat complex what what have you seen the last month or so and what do you foresee possibly here in the next couple of weeks ahead yeah the bears in the market have said the black sea prices are going down i can't argue that but they're going down for the wrong reasons it's not necessarily because there's a lot of product out there it's because they don't really want to buy from the black sea as we get ready to re-sign or extend this grain initiative on March 18th. If that grain initiative doesn't get extended, freight rates are already starting to move up, especially along the Danube River, where the Ukrainians have used that uh, point to be able to get uh, grain into Romania and keep their export pace at least at two or three million metric tons a month. But what this chart shows you very clearly, in my opinion, is that you have no hard red wheat premium built into this market. You have no soft red wheat premium built into this market because both are down towards their levels from September, October of not 2022, but all the way down to 2021. In fact, the soft red wheat low recently here this week put us down to around July of 2021 levels where we made a low on a monthly chart. And that was actually the beginning of the one and a half plus year rally that we've just gotten out of. So I really think this is where the discounted prices show up, not just in the futures, but also in the cash. And one last thing is our golf wheat price being around $300 a ton is equivalent now to Russia. And so I think we have done enough damage. And I think the weekly export sales, one of the few bright spots in the weekly export sales Thursday morning was that we saw the wheat come in with the four better than four week average of around, I think, 39% or 40%. Yeah. And I was going to mention weekly export sales too. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, the wheat number, that that was a good thing to see. I know core beans were a little uh, dismal down from uh, down towards the low end of expectations. We'll talk more about that in a second. One, one thought I want to ask you here with spring wheat. I noticed that is kind of the uh, the the leader out of the three complexes right now. What are your thoughts with spring wheat? Is that going to be more driven possibly by acreage decisions here in the next couple of weeks ahead, do you think? Yeah, that's an excellent point about the spreads and about the product markets in wheat, whereas spring wheat was being treated very kindly by the drought last year in Canada and the northern prairie of United States. We don't have to worry about that as much. And so I really look to that hard red wheat as the leader to the upside, especially with us losing six points in the, uh, in, the, in the Nebraska crop and four points in the Kansas crop. 
um, or excuse me, three points in the Nebraska crops, uh, four points in the Kansas, and I think six points in the Colorado crop this month of February versus January. So it looks to me weather-wise, uh, we really need to see the hard red wheat shine here, and that would suggest that the hard red continues to gain on the soft red. And I would also say one last thing, agronomically speaking, I just drove from Kansas western kansas all the way over to essentially the indiana illinois border south of i-70 and i've never seen wheat look so good in places like effingham illinois or alney illinois and that really was surprising to me because it's greening up it's big it's lush everybody's coming out of dormancy very very early so this is where the weather the drought monitor that came out this week it really may mean something to the trade because hot and dry and west of the mississippi river is only going to create less harvested acres and once again that's mike zuzalo with global commodity analytics he's going to stick with us here coming up on the other side of the break we're going to talk about the quarter soybean trade a little bit more also dive into the cattle market and get some thoughts there we'll continue with more market talk as we're back with mike zuzalo of global commodity analytics right after this keeping you informed with the latest market information for your operation this is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back here to Market Talk. Jesse Allen with you. And joining us still is our good friend Mike Zuzalo with Global Commodity Analytics. Mike, let's talk about quartered soybeans here. Let's let's pick up uh, now that we've kind of set a stage with wheat and, and talk about what you're seeing uh, when it comes to the quarter bean complex. As I know, corn had a few days there where we did some chart damage and soybeans. We did a little chart damage there at the, right at the end of the month of February. I just wonder your thoughts with, with how these two markets are looking here as we start the month of March. Yeah, we're starting to see some slippage in the demand on the export front. And it really makes you wonder why the, the market has chosen. And this is lead month corn divided by lead month, uh, lead month beans divided by lead month corn. The new crop looks almost identical. We've broken out to the upside in favor of the beans. We're going after tightening and rationing beans more aggressively than corn. I put that at the feet of the wheat. I put that at the feet of the Brazilian exports of corn going to China. But if the bean uh, export demand is, is waning and we've seen a big drop in Chinese meal prices, I think we've probably hit a top in this bean corn ratio. So if that's correct, Jesse, we got to be on point because one of two things is likely to happen. We're trying to buy bean acres based upon this chart and this breakout. But what if we need to go back and buy corn acres? And does that mean new crop corn stays the same and November beans drop relatively quickly? And that's what I'm really on point for, especially with the worsening tensions between the United States and China. I just got word this morning that uh, China and the United States tensions and relationships worsening enough that we actually are starting to fish around for other countries to now put Russian-like sanctions on China because I think we feel like we're going to take uh, we're going to see China take the side of Russia formally in this war. And I think that would be very, very negative potentially for the commodity complex, especially the soy complex. Well, and to your point there, and I know we've discussed this and have been watching the geopolitics of everything. And if that were to happen, we already are seeing the relationship between China and Brazil uh, pick up and one would have to think that China with Brazil's massive soybean crop would 
you know, maybe head there for some more beans, possibly head to South America for some corn. Uh, so to your point, I, I think there is a lot of concern possibly if we do see some of these geopolitics play out the way you were describing. Yeah, and this is where with the row crops in particular, we know we've got problems in Brazil and Argentina. In fact, USDA gave us kind of a pearl uh, in their Ag Outlook Forum during its breakout session. Uh, they were asked why the, they were so high compared to the rest of the private trade like me when it comes to Argentina. And they said, well, well, this is as of early February that we're giving you numbers. We did not plan on the drought continuing through February and into early March. And so I think we do have some upside or some support levels um, that we can hold, but we need to hold those levels because of what you're talking about. And we, we really don't want to underestimate the power of, of China and U.S. conditions worsening and relationships worsening. It'd be one thing if we were saying this, if beans were at $9, but they're at $15. And I think we really have to keep that in the forefront of our minds. And I think that comes back to having some sort of risk management strategy in place to try and protect what farmers have on the table in front of them here right now, Mike. I couldn't agree more. And I'll just put a dot on an I that you just put in there. Uh, it's very important if we don't hold these levels this week and we take the earlier week lows out, we break lower on those wedges. I will be running and getting puts bought. I won't be making hedges on the cash side of the equation, especially with the wheat average price at 850 by USDA's account this coming year. We're trading $2 below that in Alney, Illinois for summer harvest delivery for soft red wheat. Mike, let's talk livestock. I'll pull up another chart on our video feed. This is a feeder fat cattle spread chart, and this cattle trade has been uh, been interesting to watch. I wonder, is the cattle trade maybe getting a little tired at these lofty levels? I'll throw that at you, and I'll let you uh, also discuss what you see on this chart. Yeah, it's funny how intuitive you are, Jesse, because we don't talk before the show about what we're going to talk about. But this is this chart sets us up for the fat cattle market. And what I see in the month of March is getting more simple. And maybe it's wrong, but I tend to try and you know do the Occam's razor type mindset. If it's the most likely scenario, then take it. And what I see in this market right now is we've had the seasonal where the feeders have lost to fats. That usually happens in the first quarter, second quarter. And then we tend to make a low by the time we get out of the second quarter in the feeder cattle minus the fats. This makes sense from both the cattle on feed report last week and also what I am hearing from producers when it comes to a terrible calving season in some parts of uh, the West, like Nebraska and Southern South Dakota. Lots of cows being lost right now, more than I remember hearing in many, many years, whether it's ice or disease or whatever it is, it's just happening a lot more frequently than I remember. So anecdotally, it would make sense that we will not see much go into the feedlots at all this spring and retention will be very, very strong just because of death loss of the mama cows. So if that's the case, then we have to look at what has been driving the fat cattle recently. And that has gotten more clear as well, if you ask me. And that's been the equities markets. If the Dow Jones and the S&P slips, I've seen it two or three times in the last two weeks where the fat cattle futures slip. And so unless we come in with really strong cash markets again, and the Packers should be short bought with those marketings numbers we saw on the cattle on feed report of 104%. But unless we see that, then I think we'll continue to see the fat cattle trade more with the equities markets. And if the equities markets go down in this risk off mindset we talked about in the grains, 
I would look for the feeder cattle to be the ones that hold the stability. So fats need the feeders more and more and more. The big question you have is what if the corn market rallies? How does that work for the feeders? And that is a still to be determined, stay tuned type question. And with the uh, the fat cattle or live cattle trade, any thoughts with April taking over lead month from February now? Uh, another chart I'll pull up on the video feed. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, we still have not seen the April when we went up, and this is a monthly chart. We ch we went up to new monthly highs, new multi-year monthly highs on a closing basis. That big black bar that bounced off the purple line there, the one that's just before uh, the current red bar, the small red bar, that was the month of February, closing monthly high back to April, May 2015 levels. But we couldn't see the cash develop and, and get up to those prices of 168, 169 area. So we've fallen back to the cash price. And that's what I'm talking about here. This fat cattle market seems very real time with the cash market. So that purple line becomes a really key indicator, especially with the market very, very overbought. The momentum indicators are saying new longs are unlikely to come into this market without a really good reason, especially with the commitment of traders still being absent in terms of data to be able to utilize. And then you throw into that the cycles of those every six to seven year cycles that we see major lows. We're running very long in this cycle high. So a break below that purple line in this chart would mean to me you need to get some hedges in place if you haven't already. Mike, I'll ask you on the hog market, too. I know export sales Thursday morning. It was another strong number. I know it was down from what we saw last week because we had a massive number there. But I wonder if uh, export sales and pork may be helping at least keep the hog market stable on Thursday. I think so. But I think the cold storage numbers of being up, what, 19 percent from last year makes us feel like we're in an ample situation. And China's definitely at this point, while their prices have recovered some, they're not rebuilding their herd. They're trying to actually, I think, uh, let go of some of their production here. So I think we're in a range bound trade, if you ask me, Jesse. I've heard of some disease issues. I've heard of PERS east of the Mississippi River. That's something I'm watching. But I think it really goes back to maybe a range bound market. And those Mays seems to me maybe hard for the May to get above 95, 96. That looks like the top of the range to me fundamentally. So I think that's where you might want to put some hedges in place, especially with that CME cash index. What, six, seven dollars discount to that May futures last time I looked. Well, Mike, before we wrap it up here today, run out of time, uh, open the floor to you. Any other final thoughts for us? Anything we haven't touched on you want to mention here today? The only thing I'd say, Jesse, is this is pretty historic time. And I, I showed that to the clients and subscribers earlier this week in a blog update where I put about six grain charts together and they all had those same wedges or triangles in them that the Bloomberg Grain Commodity Index had. So sign up for a trial, request it. Say you listen to Jesse's Market Talk when you go to the two-week free trial button and uh, I'll send you that blog post so you can see exactly how pretty historic I think these markets are right now. Well, Mike, I know it's very easy to sign up for a trial and get in touch with you. What's the best way? Globalcomresearch.com. That's globalcom with two M's, research.com. And as you said, there's a free trial button. Just give me your name, phone number, and tell me a little bit about what you do. And I'll contact you once after the trial ends. And I won't bother you again if you're not interested. Fantastic. Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics. Always a pleasure, sir. Thanks for joining us this week. We will talk to you again next week. Let's hope we're flying higher next week at this time, Jesse.
I couldn't agree more. Once again, Mike Zuzalo with Global Commodity Analytics joining us here today on Market Talk. We are not done with the market conversation, though, here on the program today. Coming up here after the break, we're going to continue to talk about the market trade. We'll look at some of Thursday's closes and much more. We'll be joined on the other side of the break with Brian Doherty of Total Farm Marketing. He is our next guest analyst here on Market Talk. We'll get to that conversation coming up here next as we're back with more market talk right after this why are more people heating their homes with fs propane because it's better to work with a company that lives and works in the same community that you do when it comes to the comfort of your family trust fs we have highly trained service professionals who monitor your system for proper operation safety and maximum efficiency so you can be sure that fs propane will leave your family with a good warm feeling all season long Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane feels like home. Visit fspropane.com for more information. The market news and analysis you need here on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Well, as we take a look at Thursday's trade action here, we see that it was a mostly positive day in the grain and oilseed trade with livestock a little more mixed and a little bit to the downside there. We will discuss it and take a look at things right now. Joined by our good friend Brian Doherty of Total Farm Marketing. Brian, always great to catch up with you, sir. I hope your week is going well so far. Yes, sir, Jesse. No complaints. Well, that is good to hear. Good to hear. And, you know, uh, last uh, two days here, starting in the new month of March, it's been nice to see uh, some green on the screen in this grain and oilseed complex. I know the you know, end of the month there, we had plenty of chart damage done and we were downtrending in a lot of these grains. And now we're getting a little bit of recovery here, it appears, as we start off a, a new month of trade. Brian, I wonder, is it new month, new money flow? Is that part of the equation? What do you think? Oh, I guess it could be part of the, the equation. I, I think if we step back a little bit, if we look at the USD Outlook Forum, the numbers came out. Um, I'm not sure if you and I talked about it at the time, but I thought, well, this isn't really very directional. In fact, mm -hmm. I thought the report might be viewed as a little friendly because we were anticipating that carryout could be 2 billion bushels and it was about 1.9 for corn. And so that was about what was everybody expected. So, so nothing really like new there. Um, yet the market kind of tipped over. And so, you know, why is that? You kind of think, well, it's a little early for that to happen. You think maybe more toward the end of the month, uh, you might see that happen if you're anticipating acreage up and it's end of a quarter and those type of things. So a little bit of surprise that things tipped over, but you know, you remember it just wasn't the corn market, it was the wheat market preceded it a, a week earlier. And you just have a lot of money flow. And keep in mind also the value of the dollar throughout February had a, a pretty solid gain mm -hmm. and and it's up again today so those combination of things i think the market went on pause yesterday and again today when you start looking at maybe this weather in argentina february was not a good month for the corn production if you might remember back in january we talked about well it looks like the la nina pattern is being a change it's likely ushers in more moisture during february uh didn't really happen for argentina and the near-term forecast stays pretty much hot and dry southern brazil too so i am starting to believe that maybe the uh the fundamentalists are looking at this going hmm we don't we don't have the u.s crop in the bin yet we don't have the brazilian crop in the bin and argentine's crop certainly not going to be record um maybe they took a little pause 
Good thoughts there. Soybeans, I know some folks were worried earlier in the week when May broke back below 15, but now back above it here around 15.09 and a quarter at the close on Thursday after a solid rally there. I know beans and bean meal, to your point about Argentina's crop, I mean, they've been the bullish stalwarts of this grain trade now for uh, quite a few weeks. Uh, how, how do you feel seeing front month, well, soon to be front month May beans get up here back above $15? Well, that's a big technical indicator. And, and when you can do that, the key is the day after, can you sustain mm-hmm. it or you're just going to flip right back under? So, Really encouraging, impressive day. Held most of their gains throughout the session. Unlike corn, corn had a good, solid morning and then gave it up. the The trick to soybeans, I think, right now is that when you look and see what happened this week, it looked like China made a cancel. It's, first, there was rumored they were canceling U.S. beans. That didn't bear any fruit. Um, what did bear fruit was they canceled an Argentine uh, uh, purchase and instead moved that to Brazil. And that that may have provided a little bit of, you know, reality that the Argentine crops on the decline. Argentina may not have the beans to sell uh, or maybe Argentina even orchestrated that in order to keep beans within country for their crushing purposes. If you, I'll take you back several, several weeks ago when Argentina, when they uh, a couple of times changed how they peg their peso to whatever they peg it to the dollar. And that opened the gate for ex- so farmers selling picked up, and now now the reality is well we don't we don't have the crop so that that's that's not going to be unusual to maybe see some some cancellations or changes but no sign that China's canceled U.S. Uh, bean purchases even though that's been you know major concern as the Brazilian crop inches closer and closer to heavier harvest and more beans available to the market, they could easily cancel U.S. I will say this right now, corn, I'll switch back to corn. Corn, mm-hmm. at least according to the International Grains Council, is more cheaply priced in the U.S. than it is in Argentina or Brazil. So we're, we've got our fingers crossed that that'll lead to export activity. Well, and you mentioned that export activity. I, I've heard some rumors in the trade that China may have bought some corn, not confirmed yet, but one has to wonder if we can maybe see something like that and start to get some of that export activity picked up. That seems to be something that we're just waiting on right now, Brian. It is. The market needs a tipping point. And the tipping point would be as China starts to buy in, then I think the end users more aggressively buy too. And farmer selling begins to more quickly slow. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, there's you know an army of farmers out there that are lamenting that they didn't sell two weeks ago. And so they're, they're getting more and more anxious to sell, worried about new crop input prices, those kind of things. Uh, but for right now, it looks like they're probably content to hold off. Um, but, but boy, that's, that's the problem is, is you, you hold out too long and the market knows that then the end user really kind of gets the upper hand. So, so on short crop years and you have big market prices and you carry that into a next year, I'm just a big believer in kind of selling early selling often. And to that point, you know, some of that farmer selling we're seeing out there possibly, how is basis doing across the countryside? Are, are we holding fairly steady on a quarter bean basis right now, Brian? Um, you're actually seeing corn basis pick up a little bit. And I think because farmer selling slowed, uh, mm-hmm. bean basis has been, it's been strong, but steady. I don't think we've seen the export market to really, blow that roof off but if we can get some better sales now today wasn't a bad sale in beans but they've been slowing and corn sales have been slowing uh but on the bean side of the spectrum uh what we have today 
13.3 million bushels uh, year to date, 17936. And see, they're slowing now. Let's contrast that to a year ago. We, we, we've talked all fall and winter about, hey, sales are ahead of a year ago. Now they're behind a year ago. A year ago, we started to really see the drought take place in January into February for Brazilian beans. Exports picked up this year. We see good South American crop exports are slowing. That's the story of this year so far. Um, we'll look for basis to fluctuate. Remember, basis isn't going to fall apart. Basis is going to stay generally firm in tighter supply years until the market really gets confidence there's a crop coming. It's a little bit earlier for that. Brian, how about these wheat markets? Uh, fairly solid day there Thursday. Are, are we maybe carving out a bottom here in wheat? I know there's some worries about the grain initiative, the Ukraine grain deal, whether or not that gets extended. I know just with the tensions with Russia and the U.S. So uh, I wonder your thoughts with that. Is that playing into some of the strength here in, in wheat the last couple of days? Um, maybe. I, I think that grain deal, you know, if you read carefully it doesn't look like and i don't know if it's just posturing that putin doesn't seem to have an interest with sanctions of extending the grain deal until sanctions are lifted and i think the chances of lifting sanctions aren't very good so the question is whether or not they come back to the table and figure out some kind of a uh negotiated uh, something to to get more export activity beyond march 19th um that that being said it's um it's a it's a market that really plunged pretty hard here, and I, I I keep coming back to the rationale that sometimes wheat can move because wheat can move. If that makes any sense, it's one, it's kind of the in between market. Beans move a lot, have a certain amount of volume. Wheat can have volume and not volume. Wheat can have stronger trends, not trends. It's produced throughout the world. There's always a supply of it available somewhere. The key focus isn't just in two or three geographic regions, but um, but the, the managed money has been anticipating that there'll be flow of wheat out of Black Sea and that cross will rebound this year. And they've been pretty stalwart in maintaining short or adding short positions. Well, once again, that is Brian Doherty, Senior Market Advisor at Total Farm Marketing, joining us here today on the show. We're going to continue our conversation coming up after the break. We'll talk the livestock market trade, dairy market, and more before we wrap it up. Final numbers from Thursday's trade. We saw front month March corn. We're in delivery of the March contracts here. March corn was down two and three quarters, 637 to three quarters. May corn down two, 633 and three quarters. July corn down one to three quarters, 624. December corn up one and a quarter, 570 and a half in the new crop. Soybeans, March 15 and a half higher, 15, 19 to three quarters. May up 15, 15.09 and a quarter. July beans up 13 and a half, 14.98. November up eight and a half, 13.67 and a half. Soybean meal for May up $2 a ton, 472.30. May bean oil up 107.6190. Chicago wheat, March up four to quarter, seven to one and a quarter. May up two at three quarters, seven twelve at three quarters. July up one at three quarters, seven nineteen at three quarters. KC wheat, March up eleven, eight thirty-two at a quarter. May up nine at three quarters, eight twenty-six. July KC wheat up eight, eight seventeen at a quarter. Spring wheat, March up twelve at three quarters, eight seventy-one. May up twelve at three quarters, eight seventy-six at a quarter. July spring wheat up twelve, eight seventy-two and a half. 
I'll look at the oat market real quick. Oats for May down to 333 and a half. And then looking over at the cotton market as well, we saw March cotton down 172 points, 82.85. May down 195 points, 83.71. In livestock trade on Thursday, April live cattle down 102, 164.10. June down 115, 159.45. August down 95, 158.72. Feeder cattle March up 27, 188.57. April unchanged, 193.85. May feeders down 7. 198.82. And over in the hog market, April down 110.83.85. May hogs down 65.92.87. June hogs down 22.157. July down 35.102.72. There. We are going to continue the conversation with Brian Doherty at Total Farm Marketing again. Coming up here after the break, we'll talk livestock, we'll talk dairy, and much more before we wrap up the show. Back with more market talk on the way right after this. The market news and analysis you need here on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. We're having a conversation today with Brian Doherty, Senior Market Advisor at Total Farm Marketing. Brian, let's look at the livestock trade, this cattle market. Um, I've wondered if cattle are maybe getting a little tired here at these lofty levels. We had a bit of a down day Thursday cash trade has been slow to develop again this week are, are we just running up against a, a, a tired market here are we running up against the wall in cattle it looks like that yesterday and today and the reason i say that is your closes were toward the low end of the daily range and then what's happened when you have kind of a steeper uptrend i i like to look at a lot of moving averages the market violated the 10-day moving average yesterday and the 21-day today. It had a decisive close under the 21-day, and the, the last time we saw that was back about January 20th. So we've gone a whole month or about six weeks with a really encouraging, impressive futures market. But it does look tired. It kind of got into that 161 area, probed that three, four, five days, and then kind of pulled off here. Let's not confuse it, though, with an idea that all of a sudden we think the cattle market's ready to tumble. The cutout values continue to sizzle. They're higher. Uh, they continue to look strong. You're talking over 180 in choice cuts. Um, the demand side is still there. And we've questioned, well, when does it stop being there? I, I think I'm going to be profound here. It stops when it stops. Uh, right now, it's done a little better than we would have thought. That might be a little better perspective of the market. Uh, anticipating that demand will hold firm, interest rates likely on the rise, um, and inflation a concern. But so far, the consumer has, has picked it up and willing to buy. So why is that? Uh, why aren't they saving their money or why are they using big ticket? I, I don't think, I think a lot of consumers, um, you know, we're back to about 60, what, 4% uh, uh, living paycheck mm -hmm. to paycheck. So they'll buy for the immediate, but they're not buying long-term, planning long-term. It's kind of a state of poor state of affairs in the economy, but that that is where I think some people are at. They're, they're willing to eat out, but they probably aren't going to take a, a big vacation. Sure. Well, and one theory that I had started to develop here was watching how the stock market would go up. Usually cattle, hogs would go with it to some degree or vice versa, go down. And then well, I look today at the Dow higher cattle lower. So maybe that theory is kind of shot out of the woods there. I'm not a broker or analyst, but I just, you know, to your point about the economy 
I think that is still very closely tied with these cattle and hog markets just watching demand and watching export demand, retail demand, et cetera here. I just I'm I'm with you on on the whole economic picture playing into this, Brian. It's cautious. The, the key is, uh, so, so we talk about the economy and people talk about slowing the world recession, but the unemployment rate is still low. So people still have a paycheck. It's mm-hmm. so what are they doing with it? Where are they going with it? And uh, so it just seems like they're willing to, to you know, chase the, the, the protein markets. And, you know, I don't eat out often when I do. I'm amazed at how many people are eating in the protein market. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the restaurants are not skimpy. They're full. On the hog picture, hogs had a little bit of a down day. Uh, Export sales for the week were a fairly solid number again, down from last week's big number, but still solid, yet felt like that supported us early, and then that support kind of faded through the session, Brian. Yeah, I think until the market really sees that cash index pick it up and and give give the traders confidence, you're talking about big premiums on deferred months. And then as the deferred months come closer, as is, for instance, April, 83.85 right now, I look at the index, 78.58, still holding that premium. So all of a sudden, April tips over buck ten today. Not a shocker there. The premium uh, or the cash market, I should say, is not advancing at a rapid pace. It is steadily working its way upward. But it's, you know, the problem is the, the, the futures probably got ahead of themselves a little far. And um, again, that mid 105 area, uh, mid 110 area around the 105, seemingly good areas to be hedging some of the summer months. Brian, how about that dairy market trade? Anything you're seeing there as we start off the month? Uh, no, what I'm seeing is the same old thing. We've talked about this time and time again. You just, I think, dairy producers are in a phase where they're going to try and produce their way out of product or uh, you know less less dollars per animal, mm-hmm. and you know, so you produce more. And I think that's the phase that they are in right now. Unfortunately, that means limited upside for the dairy market until we get bit, just a much better feel that the, the, the herd may start to contract a little bit. Um, you know, it's funny here is you've got high price corn and the herd is still growing. Um, yet you've got high price beef and you'd think you might be shrinking the herd, getting rid of cows that don't fit or heifers that don't look like they're going to take and that really hasn't seemingly been the case. So usually when we see beef prices this high, we see a whole lot of liquidation in that dairy industry, and we're not seeing the sign of that yet. Well, Brian, great stuff. As always, before we let you go, any final thoughts, anything else you want to reiterate uh, for our listeners, viewers here today? Yeah, I think I think this week, you know, this past week, since last, last time we met last Thursday, is it's a reflection again just how quickly markets can change and, and go I'm going to say primarily lower and it didn't take corn, beans, wheat long to peel off some pretty substantial values. So just kind of keep that in mind as you're looking ahead and asking yourself, well, what's different from this year than last? It's a lot different. Um, and, and right now the bears seem to be more in charge and, uh, although it could be temporary, I, I, you know, I, I would say if you're, not to where you want to be on sales. Don't lament what could have been maybe a few weeks ago or even last week. Just get current. Get 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 to where you need to be. Brian, if folks have questions, want to reach out to you and the team there at Total Farm Marketing, I know uh, a lot of different ways to get in touch. How can they reach you? Best way is our 800 number, 800-334-9779. Give me a shout. Send me an email, Brian with a Y at totalfarmmarketing.com or check out our website, uh, www 
totalfarmmarketing.com. Take a look. We have a lot of resources on there. Fantastic. Brian Doherty with Total Farm Marketing. Always a pleasure, sir. Thanks for joining us. I'll see you uh, in person next week at Commodity Classic in Orlando, Florida. Look forward to it. Yes, sir. Yep, we're looking forward to that. Thank you, Jesse. And that's all the time we have for Market Talk today. Thanks to Brian. Thanks to Mike Zuzalo from Global Commodity Analytics joining us earlier the show as well. Have a fantastic rest of your day. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Thanks for listening to Market Talk. Why are more people heating their homes with FS Propane? Because it's better to work with a company that lives and works in the same community that you do. When it comes to the comfort of your family, trust FS. We have highly trained service professionals who monitor your system for proper operation, safety, and maximum efficiency, so you can be sure that FS Propane will leave your family with a good, warm feeling all season long. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane feels like home. Visit fspropane.com for more information.